Are you considering using backing tracks with your band, but you're afraid you're gonna feel like a fraud? That using tracks makes you not a real musician? Well, in today's episode of Behind the Space Bar, I'm gonna share some tips and tricks that'll allow you to use backing tracks on stage in a authentic way. Hey everyone, welcome back to Behind the Space Bar. This is a podcast that helps you learn how to perform like a pro with Ableton Live. Um, if you don't use Ableton Live, today's episode is for you as well too. The seven uh, tips, techniques, tips and tricks I'm gonna share in today's episode applies whether you're using an iPad app, uh, um, hardware, Ableton Live, uh, Digital Performer, Pro Tools, God bless you if you're using Pro Tools on stage. Whatever you're using for tracks or want to use on stage for tracks, uh, these concepts apply to uh, that scenario. Um, here's why I wanna talk about this. I, I hear often from people that have typically not used tracks on stage that say, well, my band doesn't use tracks because we're real musicians. You know, We, we don't wanna be fake like all those pop musicians. Um, and, and that's definitely a consideration and a concern. I hear that more from people that haven't used tracks than people that have used tracks because I think most people that have used tracks realize that using tracks doesn't mean you're faking everything on stage. Now, there certainly are pop acts. There's certainly um, large acts that travel around the country and the world that are very popular um, where the people that are on stage don't really sing. Maybe they have musicians that don't really play, but that is more of the exception than the rule. Now, you'll have elements of maybe being on a show and it's a you know worldwide tour and they have a track with the artist lead vocal in case the artist were to get sick and maybe you know a couple of the songs they pop the lead vocal in. And you can certainly argue and say that's faking it and that's not great, but then it would be worth having a conversation with those people about the economics and the backlash, not necessarily backlash, but the, um, uh, the trickle down effect that would occur if that artist were to cancel their show. And again, we could, have arguments all day long and say, well, it should never be that way. I, I'm with you, blah, blah, blah. But simply stated, if you want to use backing tracks with your band, it is possible to do it in a way that is authentic, that doesn't mean you're faking it and you're not going to have to feel like a fraud. If you're interested in that, then engage in today's content. If not, again, if you're just going to be the grumpy old man that crosses your arms and says, I remember back in the day when the musicians used to actually play, this content is not for you. Like, God bless you. Um, this channel's probably not for you. You're just going to be angry all the time. And, and people like that tend to like being angry all the time. Um, but just go about your day. We could still be friends. We can all be good citizens and kind to each other. But this is probably not for you. But if you are interested in learning how to use backing tracks in a way that you can still be authentic, be yourself, and not feel like a fraud, I've got seven tips I want to share in today's episode. Before I get to that, um, if you want to go deeper and further on learning how to perform like a pro with Ableton Live, head to fromstudiostage.com slash subscribe. That is my personal community where I teach people how to use Ableton Live, how to use backing tracks on stage like a pro. Um, whether you're a live looping artist, solo artist, a cover band, a band, uh, a playback tech, a musician who wants to become a playback tech, I have over 60 courses there for you and tons more. You can find all about that from studiostage.com slash subscribe. And then finally, if you like this content, want to continue to see me release it. A couple things you can do that would help is if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, enable the bell icon so you don't miss out when I post new content. And then two, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening, um, then uh, consider uh, following, subscribing to the show. It's completely free to you and leaving a rating or review. And if you're one of those grumpy old men that doesn't like tracks, maybe just don't leave a review. Go for a walk, get some fresh air, turn off the TV and get off the screen. Okay, let's get to our seven tips for today. Before I do that, real quick, one final thing. I just, I, I wanna stress this. I think a lot of the anxiety, the, the trepidation, the fear that folks feel that have 
um, um, not use backing tracks on stage. The reason they push back on it is they feel like, again, they're going to be a fraud. They're going to be a fake if they use backing tracks. And I hear that mostly from people that have never done it. Occasionally from some people that have done it and they just had a bad experience, but mostly from people that have never done it. And I want to say upfront, um, using backing tracks on stage does not mean the people on stage are not playing, the people on stage are not singing, and everything's coming from Ableton Live. Again, there certainly are scenarios in giant pop acts that where you know pieces and portions of that are true, but the majority of situations is that's not the case, right? So if that's your kind of hesitation and your 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 feeling, I just want to hit that up front. We've got a couple things up front about specifics of what's actually in the tracks that are going to help you. Okay, number one. So uh, the first four things are very specific to tracks and the other can kind of be applied to really anything when it comes to being on stage. But number one, don't fake a part that's in the tracks. What I, let me say that again, don't fake a part that's in the tracks. What I mean is if you've got a piano line that's in the tracks, then please do not get behind your piano and go and act like you're playing it. Now I know Again, context is everything. I know if you want to have good stagecraft, you shouldn't just like stand there, arms crossed, you know, not doing anything. You want to engage the the audience still. Um, but you know, stuff, let's say something blatantly obvious. If you've got a song that has a guitar solo, please don't have the guitar solo in the tracks and then have someone on stage faking like they're playing a guitar solo. Just cut the guitar solo. Um, uh, you know, I, I even just don't do it. Okay. That's probably the number one way, well, actually number two is the probably number one way that you'll feel like a fraud using tracks. But number one, don't fake a part that's in the tracks. Really think about what's in the tracks. Really think about the content that's there. And these first three are really gonna help you kind of narrow that down. But, um, uh, you know, don't fake play something on stage that's coming from the tracks. You'll 100% feel like a fraud. You'll 100% you know, create a fake experience for the audience. And again, I say that fully understanding there are shows and parts of shows where that needs to be needed and you want good stagecraft. You don't want to just stay in there, but avoid it if at all possible. Number two, number two on the list, again, is probably the number one way I should have flipped these that you can use backing tracks on the stage and not feel like a fraud. But number two is sing live. What I mean by that is do not stand on stage. This is tied into number one, which is why I made it number two, but don't stand on stage, have your vocal part come from the tracks and fake like you are singing. Again, context is everything. There are giant pop acts where the artist gets sick. Um, they don't wanna cancel a tour and refund hundreds of thousands of people that came to the show um, because that person lost their voice. There, there's ramifications for that. And at that point, it's no longer really about music or that individual. It's, it's just a giant business, but you know, that's another conversation for another day. But number two, sing live. And so if you're a band, cover band doing cover tunes, um, you know, put songs and keys where you can actually sing them, put uh, true songs that fit your voice to where you don't feel tempted to go, Hey, in that one part where, since I can't really sing that high bit, let's, let's just like pre-record it. I'll have you tune it and then we'll throw it in. Honestly, I would rather you sing it live and tune it to the right note and it sound overly tuned than it to be in the tracks in the first place. You know, if you can't find, put the song in the right key, if you can't choose the right songs, at least sing it live and tune it instead of putting it in the tracks. Again, the grumpy old man's not going to like that either, but he doesn't like anything anyway. So um, <laughs> number three, use backing or aux, I know I've made air quotes quite a lot in this episode, but use backing or aux sounds in your tracks. What I mean by that is, think of a band like U2. 
the basic structure and makeup of the band is drums, bass, guitar. Um, you know, occasionally Bono, maybe the Edge will play keys, maybe Bono will play guitar, the Edge will play keys. But a lot of the sound of U2 comes from these extra additional sounds that their playback tech is, is playing, I believe from Digital Performer. Um, but it's like pad sounds. You know, if, if you have a keyboard on stage, maybe play the lead part live, play the piano part live, but put pads and strings and synth sounds. Uh, again, unless it's like a really prominent synth lead or something, uh, put those in the tracks. Filler sounds, sounds that are gonna fill out the sound. You know, if you're a drummer, um, you know, put a tambourine sound in there and maybe you're playing like a, a roll on the snare or something. You could put a tambourine or shaker sound. If it's, you know, absolutely nothing going on stage and it's shaker or tambourine, then, you know, use a shaker and tambourine. And here's a pro tip. If you find yourself in a situation where maybe based on the context you're in, it's going to be hard to mic, you know, put up a mic or it's going to be hard for the overhead mics to, to capture a tambourine or shaker. Let's say it's a part of a song where the drums aren't playing. Now don't fake it. That would break rule number one, right? We're not going to put something in the tracks and fake on stage like we're playing it, but still play along with it potentially, you know? Again, that's that stagecraft of the visual of if you hear something, you want to see somebody kind of doing something if it's a low moment. Now, again, if I have a piano player on stage playing piano and I hear strings and I hear pads, um, again, most people that are in the audience are not gonna even know what those sounds are. They're just gonna know it sounds better when it's there, sounds empty when it's not, and it's gonna make everyone on stage feel more comfortable because the sound is fuller in their in-ears. Um, it's not gonna just sound like just a piano where we could add some, some texture and some aux sounds. Uh, again, percussion-based sounds, um, uh, synth pad things, um, you know, maybe there's some rhythm guitar in there. You know, maybe if you're playing like a single note lead line, there could be like delay, you know, back to the U2 and Edge kind of thing. There could be like little delay choppy stuff. If you're playing a lead guitar and playing a solo, maybe the rhythm guitar part is tracked, uh, just power chords, something that just kind of blends in the background that, that feels a bit like kind of the wall of sound vibe as opposed to picking out individual instruments. It's certainly gonna feel awkward if you see three people on stage and hear a full drum set and there's no drummer on stage, but there's even ways around that, which we'll get to number seven, our last tip, which will help with that. Um, the fourth thing, which doesn't necessarily have to do with the type of content, the thing in your stems, and it has to do more about how you use those stems, which would be the number one reason why I would use Ableton Live is have freedom and flexibility have freedom and flexibility. And there's a lot of different things I could say here, but the things that come to mind for me, when it comes to using tracks on stage, uh, for me to not feel like a fraud, I want to be in charge of where we go. If I wanna repeat a section, if I wanna change the arrangement beforehand, if I wanna speed the tempo up, slow the tempo down, um, I want to make sure my thing I'm using for tracks can follow that. Now, there certainly are some people that just like to uh, make life difficult for other people and decide to change the tempo one night. Um, that really has no bearing on the song. And it's just kind of like, just play the song, man. Just just play the song. Um, but certainly Ableton Live can do that. Change the tempo in the moment beforehand. Change the, the song order, even just changing the set list so that it's fresh every night for uh, a new group of people. Um, responding in the moment to what's happening. There's something about a group of people um, coming together, singing a song together at the top of their lungs. It's this magical, you know, almost spiritual kind of moment. And there's times where, um, you should respond to what's happening in that moment. Maybe change a song. Maybe stay in a song uh, one time. I always go back to the story of going to see Mute Math um, 
uh, probably like still early on in their career. Uh, I believe we were in Raleigh, North Carolina. This very small club. Obviously, they were amazing performance, also using tracks. Amazing performance, though. Amazing entertainers. And we got to the end of a song, and everyone just kept singing. Like, the song in it, and everyone just kept singing. They didn't suddenly, you know, press play on their MIDI controller to go to the next song because they're using tracks. They just kind of let the moment sit, right, and responded to that moment. If you use tracks in a way that gives you freedom and flexibility, then you can do that, which is great. And if you want... To learn how to have freedom and flexibility to use tracks in a way like that, then head to fromstudiotostage.com slash subscribe to become a From Studio Stage community member. You can start your subscription, get access to all the courses, the training content, resources that will help you do that. Um, and, and you'll be able to use tracks on stage without feeling like a fraud. Okay, meanwhile, back of the ranch. Number five, make your computers invisible. And um, what I'm talking about there is, um, depending on the context, there's some types of music where if I saw every musician on stage with a computer, it wouldn't throw me. It would feel like part of the band, the sounds, like I'm in on the joke. I get that they're using these fake sounds, these extra computer sounds. But there's some uh, bands, like if I go to see a folk band or a country band on stage, um, if I can move those computers off stage to where um, it's not even a thought in my mind and I'm just like in the moment and experiencing it, and you could say, well, that's fake. You're lying to the audience. Well, maybe, but I'm using the tools that are available to me um, uh, to present the best story to the audience that's here to hear my music and experience it. And I'm going just from musicians on stage and the limitations of the people I have to having more and more options and different types of sounds. Um, that's great. And that's possible with backing tracks, but consider moving your computers off stage. Now, the next possible thing is, well, if I move computers off stage, then does that mean we basically, as we're walking on stage, press space bar, then we're on rails for the rest of the show? No, you can have number four, freedom and flexibility. But number five, uh, number six, rather, to get that, use a MIDI controller. So move your computers off stage, but number six, use a MIDI controller so that you can find something that integrates into your setup. As a guitar player, use uh, a, 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 some sort of foot pedal. As a keyboard player, use something that sits on your keyboard or the actual buttons and knobs and faders on your keyboard. As a drummer, use a drum pad so that everything just blends in. And it's, again, a part of the experience for people. It's not something that just sticks out and it's like, oh, wow, you know, what the heck is happening here? Make it a part of the experience on stage that translates to the people. Now, number seven, this is the most important piece of this. I'll get to that in just a second, but before I do, just wanna ask again, if you're watching on YouTube, consider hitting the subscribe button enabling the bell icon so you don't miss out on anything and any piece of content I share. And it's, it's a way to say thanks and to support my efforts and it costs you absolutely nothing. And two, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, consider subscribing and following completely free for you. Um, and again, it's gonna make sure you get the new episodes of the show downloaded to your device. Okay, number seven has nothing to do with tracks and is a good general rule for all of us, whether we're musicians in a band, whether we're um, lead singers, we're the, the front person of the band, um, really all of us, anyone sitting on stage. Number seven, become a good entertainer. Become a good entertainer. What I mean by that is, again, we talked about the stagecraft of if, if there's a part in the tracks um, that is very obviously heard and nothing is happening on stage, um, I don't want to go back to number one and say fake it, but let's go back to our example of shaker. Have a shaker at the drum set and play shaker. Even if there's no overhead mics for the shaker, 
fake, don't fake play shaker, but actually play shaker, but have it come to the tracks. I hope that makes sense. Be a good entertainer, whether you're using backing tracks or not. I've seen bands that don't have backing tracks that are amazing, that have incredible uh, lead singers that keep the, the um, audience engaged, that like bring me into the story that like takes me out of the issues of the day that I'm having and I just enjoy music. I've seen that happen with John Pizzarelli. I've told the story many times, just playing guitar with his trio, no tracks, real simple, just amazing jazz standards, amazingly, amazing entertainer. I've seen this happen with uh, Larry Carlton when he was on his Sapphire Blues tour. As far as I know, no tracks there, but amazing band, just musicians playing. And I've seen this happen with bands that um, had tracks. And the bands that had tracks were not any less musicians than Larry Carlton or um, uh, John Pizzarelli. Now, they may not be as good of guitar players, but it's not because they're using tracks, right? Using tracks um, is not an excuse for you to be a bad entertainer. And using tracks is not an excuse for you not to be the best possible singer you could be. Using tracks is not an excuse for you to not learn how to play piano because you're not a piano player. So we just put all the piano on the tracks and you just play one five for everything. That's kind of what I do because I'm not a piano player. But what I'm trying to say is like work on your stagecraft, work, work on being a good entertainer, have fun on stage. And whether you're using tracks or not, that has no bearing on it. And again, there's ways to use tracks that give you freedom and flexibility um, in ways that could hinder you and make you like not have fun, kind of like this moment sucks, um, but become a good entertainer. Now, if you follow these seven tips, um, this is going to help you feel like you're not a fraud. It's going to help you have freedom and flexibility on stage when you're using tracks. It's gonna help you uh, create, again, the best experience for the people in the audience, whether you're a cover band playing for a wedding, for a corporate event, um, uh, whether you're a, a band out traveling on your latest record, whether you're a solo artist that's playing small uh, coffee shops and venues and wanna present the best possible uh, um, way to take your song from the studio to stage. If you follow these tips and tricks, it's gonna help you do this without feeling like a fraud. But again, you're going to want the best possible training. You're going to want support. You're going to want to learn how to do it in a way that doesn't waste you hours. And you don't have to just search and search on YouTube to try to find a video and hope it's the right approach. Hope it's something that actually works and does it. The best thing you could do is head to fromstudiostage.com slash subscribe. Become a From Studio Stage student. You get access to over 60 courses, 200 credits every month that you can use to purchase stuff in the shop for free. That's my templates, patches, presets, everything I've ever made, it goes there. I just throw everything there, I create stuff, and I release it there that's free to students if they use their credits. A monthly call where you can check in, you can ask me questions live on the call, meet your fellow community members. Uh, it's the best possible way to learn to perform on stage like a pro with Ableton Live. And then again, if you're not ready for that yet, if you're still checking this thing out, um, then just hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube, enable the bell icon so you don't miss when I post new content. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, then subscribe, follow completely free to you and leave a rating or review. Thanks so much for watching, for listening. I hope these tips are practical um, and you can start to actually apply these and have a better experience with tracks. Thanks so much for being a part of the community, for watching and listening. We'll see you on the next one. Take care, everybody. Bye.